Hello and welcome to the Heritage Music Series. My name is Nanatsufu Obwateng. What we seek to do is to bring you closer to culture, our heritage. But this particular session, we're taking you on a musical journey. We're bringing you an evolution of authentic, original, Ghanaian music, music of Ghanaian origin and how it has grown over the years from what we knew as palm wine high life music to bugger high life and of course to the music you and I are enjoying today. Stay with us as we take you on this wonderful journey together. On this particular episode or in this particular session, we're looking at the evolution of Akan music, how Akan music has grown over the years, what it was then and what it has become now. We have an amazing band in the house with us, a group of fine young men who play the instruments like no other and they've got voices that are actually, actually, actually cause the heavens to rejoice. They are the Inchin Chin Band and they are here with us on this show. You guys are super, 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 super guys. And of course, to help me take you through this journey, this wonderful journey of the evolution of Akan music is Dr. Amache Boateng of the University of Ghana, a choral music director. And of course, he serves as a judge on a number of choral competitions within and without uh, the country. Doc, you're welcome. Thank you. And many Thank thanks you. to you of course for accepting the invitation and to help us do this Thank you. great stuff Thank you. so we're going straight into the conversation we're taking you way back into time taking you into the 1970s where we had some authentic Ghanaian music and of course some authentic Akan music that were churned out within that particular period we can talk of some prominent musicians from that time so for this particular episode I'd like for us to start with Ejakonimo, wonderful voice, wonderful man, a poet, astute songwriter, full of wisdom, a great guitarist as well. Yes. Right. Tell, tell us, about, I mean, really what you know about Ejakonimo. Um, Ejakonimo represents the, I would say he represents the, uh, the old man in the society, you know, in, in the village. Yeah, so Ejakonimo um, is somebody who maintained the guitar, uh, the palm wine music style. Um, his association with the court, Ashanti King's court, um, also informed his music. He had a lot of wisdom in what he was doing. And like I was saying, he represented the old man in the society. So you realize that most of his uh, works were like giving advices. And even his setup, the way uh, in the village, People will gather around an old man to listen to advices and uh, all, all those things. So when you look at his setup, he just maintained one foreign um, instrument, the guitar. Right. And then the rest are mostly local, the uh, uh, bell, the kunka, just that um, ensemble was enough for him to be able to send across his kind of music. So he represents a typical Ghanaian um, um, palm wine musician back in those days and then you, you would have you most often see him in that typical traditional setting that's right. where uh, it, it more or less looks like it's, it's typical folklore that's right right that's and then right. Prominent, like you just mentioned, amongst his instruments would be the guitar, yes. which of course was the only foreign instrument, instrument amongst the many instruments that, that were used. Right. 
but one thing that strikes me is that he, he seems to even at that time to more of speak yeah. on his music than to really sing yeah yeah then we it's more of a recitative kind of thing so you didn't have that lyrical um, um, melodies except for choruses that right. he used to sing and this is as a result of the african style of call and response so that okay. at least um, for the choruses he had gets a lot of people to join uh, that to depict the african way of of singing so he most of, mostly sing uh, speaks it gives him the chance to crumple a lot of words in one phrase or something like that. So that was his style. So you could hear the language very well. If you are a can-speaking person, you could hear him speaking more than singing um, his, his solos, the verses, let me put it that way. But for the choruses, then he turns into the melodic line. Then, that, as I said, it is to help everybody around to be able to sing as in the call and response and that the African was noted for. Mm. And then, uh, I mean, you did mention that Pei's association with the King's Court, he really had great command of the Akan language, but then his music traveled beyond. That's right. So because he tried to sell Ghana, he tried to remain authentically Ghanaian. So uh, a lot of people wanted, uh, around that time, highlight music had become the, uh, very popular. And so people wanted something authentically Ghanaian and he was able to command that especially using the language, the Ghanaian language, uh, the Akan language, and then with that particular instrument and then the setup that he used to uh, accompany his music, he was able to uh, uh, perform on international scenes and then his music went very far. Right. Now you would also notice that he wasn't really keen about rhyming. Yes. He didn't really want to put in words, uh, I mean, string his words in a way that will sort of end in, in a rhyme. Was it really a particular, or, or really was it not popular around that time in the 70s? Um, I wouldn't say so, but it was because of the way he had a lot of words within his music. He could, he could, the speaking was more his, um, to speak out the melodies was one of his traits. And so it would be difficult to see whether you, could, you want to rhyme at certain phrases and all those things. So he couldn't, he, he wasn't there to achieve that kind of uh, phrase where you, you sing about uh, 14 lines and then against 15, 14, 15, 14, 15, that kind of thing. That, for that structure, you could get some rhymes somewhere. But for his structure, it was difficult to have phrasing in them. He would he only take in breath when maybe he's, he's short of breath or something. But then he was a speaking type, not the poetic uh, uh, type and he could send his messages across in that way. Interesting, interesting. I mean, I, I, I like that, but then you'd also observe that uh, for Jack Kunimo, he, he didn't really dwell more on love songs. And even if he did sing a love song, there was so much advice yeah. in there. You think he couldn't take himself away from that uh, elder in the family to become the musician that he was? Um, he was a musician, yes, but Every musician has messages that they, they send across. That is, in those days, every musician um, sang to tell a certain story. And he chose to um, take that uh, line. He talked about, uh, gave advices, especially in family issues, political issues, social issues, and all those things. But uh, he chose to be, remain in, in, in that, uh, that branch 
of, of music. Of music. Yes, yes. All right, great stuff. Uh, like I did mention to you earlier, the amazing Inchinchin Band is here with us, and they're going to give us a taste of one of Ejako Nimo's greatest hits, Nadinsua. Not this way, not this way, 
Absolutely beautiful. I mean, I mean, you, you just you just gotta love a Jack Kornimo, and of course, that was a beautiful rendition uh, by the Inchinchin band. I mean, from the rhythm, the melody, to the content itself, absolutely wonderful stuff. And to be to have been doing that in the 70s, simply amazing. Yeah. So a Jack Kornimo, this, for this particular song, he tried to advise in marriage, marriage um, where he used Nadinsua as the woman, not necessarily the Nadine Sua, but to uh, talk to as many women as, as possible who might not be listening to advice in marriage. And then the consequences, that, that the aftermath of that behavior. And so he used this particular song to, to advise women who were that. And I'm sure around that time, there were a lot of women who didn't want to listen to their husbands, even uh, when they go into the bedroom, for instance, and then you are supposed to listen, uh, sleep on your pillow, and the pillow gives you advice, advice and all those yeah. things. They, they don't take all those advices, <laughs> but they come out doing uh, uh, something else. And so Jack Onimo drew the attention of women, especially in marriage, who were um, not respectable. Uh, they didn't respect their husbands. They, we talk one, he talks two, that kind of thing. So it was something that uh, cut across, I think, in those days. That's why Jack Odimo decided to write on Nadine Suha. More of like a counseling session, counseling, but yes. through music. That's right. That's wonderful right. stuff, wonderful right. stuff. And indeed, he didn't have anything for the men in that song? Um, the, the man, would, I'll say, in that particular song was to remain calm. Despite the, the behavior of the women, you don't need to maybe throw your hands or something like that. So when you listen to it, you pick your, your, your section, whatever affects you in that particular song, you pick that advice and then you, you go ahead. So despite the fact that it was mainly targeted for women, uh, men could also get their uh, uh, advice from that particular song. And the title of the song, Nadine Suya, for a typical Ashanti man, you'd wonder where Nadine Suya is coming from. Yeah, um, as I said, the name just represented a woman, yes. It could be his wife or somebody he was associated with, and then he just decided to use that name. But let's see the name as a woman, yes, representing women, um, and their behaviors in marriage. And so uh, it might not ne take, um, necessarily, necessarily be an Ashanti, Ashanti name or something, yeah. but he just picked the name mm. to send across his message that he wanted to send Right. Yeah. One person that was also prominent in the 70s is Iti Mensa. Iti yeah. e. served as some wonderful music. I particularly like him for his voice modulation right. when, when, when he sings. I mean, you can have him going from a deep baritone to a soft tenor That's or right. a treble right. within one song and during one performance. I yeah. mean, it must have been beautiful to see him do that. Yeah, Iti e. Mensa represented the, uh, I'll say, big band her life. He had, he merged Western instruments with um, with traditional instruments. And so in those unlike days, Kuni unlike Kunimo, who was mostly, mostly yes, traditional that's instruments. Right, that's right. So Itimensen's style was quite different. And, and 
Uh, based on ATMN Science era, uh, we had that name High Life because people, uh, let me say that High Life it can be defined based on either rhythm or lyrics or whatever. So yeah. it hasn't got a clear cut I mean, definition. It's a big debate yes. about it. Yes. So we don't want to go there. It, I'll say it was it was just an accolade given to people who enjoyed that music at that time. So oh, these people are living a high life. Okay. And so it became okay. high life, okay. a life. So when you go to the dance, um, the dance floors, these concert halls and all those things, you see people in suits, they dressed in a certain way that depicted high life uh, society, living in the society. And so it Mensa and, and the rest took advantage of, of those things. When somebody comes to the dance floor, yours is to praise the person. That is why he sings about all for you, it all for you. I'm waiting for you, that kind of thing. I didn't thing. wait so, to you, uh -huh. I didn't wait to you, Papa. I didn't wait to you. So you realize also that his, his uh, songs are short. Yeah. They all for you section, few lyrics, that's right. Yeah. So, he, so that he could project the big band, the brass band, he could project the guitar, he could project the um, the other Western instrument in his music. So okay, that was so clearly the idea was to sell the instruments right. more than more than the lyrics. Wow. Yes, but he just had few. And if he used lyrics, he was to to praise or something that would make the listener um, feel proud or exactly. that kind of yeah. thing. So. Uh, you could see music of E.T. Mensah, Jerry Hansen, and all those people around that era had some traits that like that. And really come with some form of dance. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Western dances exactly. that go yeah. uh, some moves. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's, it's, it's interesting that you mentioned All For You. Let's yeah. go to Inchinchin Band and let's do All For You and then uh, we can look at it really, uh, what we sought to do with all for you, as you've right. talked about. All right, Inchin Chim, all for you.
Absolutely beautiful. I actually like this song so much. I mean, you can count what? Just about four or five lines in there, and then the rest is just a straight. It gives you an opportunity to dance and to dance and to dance. You think ET was more focused on getting people to dance? That's against Konimo who wanted people to, to listen. listen. To yeah, him. yeah. So around that time, it was there was another trend of music coming up. So when we get to when we get forward, we understand what E.T. Mensah was doing and how it affected um, subsequent years in music. So the focus was more on the, as I said, making the, the, the audience or those in the concert hall feel big and then dance their way out. There were several dances around that, that time, some imported from uh, uh, the, the, the coming of the white man. Some of these dances, Foxtrot and all those dances, were all in, in, um, used in the dance hall. So Yuti Minsan's focus was also there. And also to project the instrument. You see there were sections that there would just be the brass playing, then the voices would come, another brass would then the voices will come or will, will be played. This was all a, a way of, of, of E.T. Mensen's brand. And then he also did the call and response kind of um, um, uh, uh, singing style in Africa, where he sings first, then the chorus also joins. So that's that's E.T. Mensen's brand. Awesome, awesome. This is still the Heritage Music Series as part of our Heritage Month here on CTTV. I have with me Dr. Benjamin Amache Boate. He is an ethnomusicologist with the University of Ghana. And of course, the ever amazing in Chinchin Band is here with us. Our drinks is by Kind Ketsi Ramdez. And of course, our scented candles are provided by Divine Citronella Candles. Stay with us as we take a break here. We'll be back with more. We're looking at the evolution of Akan music from the 1970s till now. We'll be right back. Ago. Welcome back. It's been interesting so far. We're looking at the evolution of Akan music from the 70s till now. This is the Heritage Music Series as part of a Heritage Month here on City TV. Dr. Benjamin 
uh, Amache Boateng is still here with me. The amazing Inchinchin band is also here. We started off uh, with um, uh, Ejako Nimo himself. Then we had something from E.T. Mensa, Imano Tete Mensa. We now want to go into the music of one of the finest uh, to have ever graced the musical scene here in Ghana. I'm talking about the one and only Nana Ampedu. When you hear Nana Ampedu, what comes to mind? First, straight off, what comes to mind? The first thing that comes to mind is storytelling. <coughs> storytelling, story because most of his music <laughs> had lots of stories yeah. that led to advices and, and, and the rest. So Nana Ampedu, I'll say, um, was... Um, um, he followed the Konimo side, exactly. but he had more instruments, um, incorporating more Western instruments in his uh, uh, music. You could you you notice one very significant trait about Ampedu's music is the introduction of the church organ in the music, which was uh, a later introduction into high life music, where you use just the organ and then the guitar. Okay, so Ampedu was actually one of the people yeah. to pioneer introduction of the church organ, organ in, the, in, in, in music. So when you listen to music in that era, high life music in that era, you can hear the church organ also playing a very vital, uh, giving the, the chord some foundation. It's different progression, right. as if you want to compare that to say Konimo. Yes, yes. yes. Right. So he, he had uh, a stronger, would I say stronger, no, a heavier foundation than Konimo. Konimo zone was just a light keep, uh, guitar, but Ampedu incorporated uh, uh, some organ sounds and everything in his, his, his music. And as I said, he also played like the, the old village old man who was always advising people. And one of the things about Ampedu was that he was very metaphorical. Okay. He, he, he picks, he can even talk about animals, mm -hmm. not referring to women or something. He has a song of a man, you would say, uh, uh, where he, he likened all the animals. Mm -hmm. uh, he mentioned about seven animals right. and then uh, likened them, their behavior okay, so to the some women, the character. That that's woman. right, that's right. Yes, but one of the songs that I like about Ampedu is the Obra song. Mm -hmm. The Obra yeah. song, which uh, for so many years was the signature tune. <laughs> Akan drama. Yeah. Yes, I, I think that the message in that song was very, very authentic and authentically it suited mm. our situation mm. so that everybody needed to hear that particular song. We'll, we'll get into the story of Obra by Nanampedu and the meaning thereof, but of course, if we have in Chinchin here, why not? Tweet us to Obra by Nanampedu. Jimmy 
It's very interesting because back then so many people knew the song but they did not even know who Nanampedu is because when you hear the song you think about Akan drama yes. and so you, you think it's a music score for the television series <laughs> instead of someone's actual music. That's right. It's very true because uh, will I say that the Akan drama also made it made that song more popular also. Yeah. So it's two ways. Nanampedu um, mm -hmm. made the song, composed the song. And then the Akan drama series also made it, took it to be their signature tune. But uh, for the Akan drama, I think that they just played a portion of the song without playing the full song, and then thereby missing out on some of the important messages in that, that, that particular song. Of course, what they were uh, performing in those days was 
uh, about life, things about life, so that it, instead of listening to the song in full, you rather watch it a drama, a, a drama the and then you get a story. But then the Obra introducing the drama gives you an idea of what to expect. That's right. Right. Now, I, I noticed a particular style with Obra. Once it opens, the singing begins. You don't hear the instrumentation go on for a while before the singing starts. Um, was it popular then, this particular style? Yes, uh, around that time, the, the focus was not really, after it makes sense, uh, time where they wanted people to dance to music. So you get the, uh, the interludes and instrumentations beginning the, the whole music. And Peru's time was more of listening to the message. So once it opens, then the message starts and you realize that this song doesn't even have a lot of interludes in the musical interludes or instrumental interludes in the music once it starts it goes on till till the end so the message in that song to ampedu was more important than the the the, the dancing as we didn't want to uh, um, let people dance too much to the music rather than sitting down to listen to the advice that is found in the song mm -hmm. there's usually a, a contest between making evergreen music and just danceable music that will fade out in no time at all but you see we've done ampedu we've done konimo we've done et et sort to do more danceable or music but it did not fade. Right. So does this really defeat uh, the notion then that uh, danceable music will just fade and music that had advice as content was more evergreen? No, E.T. Mensa was a certain bridge in, in music history in Ghana. So, of course, people always refer to him when they are talking about high life music. He's one of the people that you can't talk about high life music without referring to. Um, uh, E.T. Mensa. So this is not to say that when you do dance music, it doesn't really last. There are dance musics which have lasted a and lot stood, of them, yes, yeah. stood the test of time all these years. Mm -hmm. And so this is not to say, but Ampedu had a focus mm -hmm. to, to let you sit down and listen to the advice that he had to offer onto you. And you look, listen to the particular song that the band played. It, 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 it tells you that it is not math that we we become elders when you are a young person and your parents are giving you money and all those things you think oh i also want to be like that so that i can regulate my own cash funds and all those things but they don't know that before you get there there are things that you have to go through it's not easy to be an adult honestly yeah. and that's well, what we have our own phrase for that now yeah. <laughs> and if you ask in Chinchin, they can tell you there's a song actually to it that says adulthood now uh -huh. scam yes <laughs> <laughs> of course it's true the young yeah. ones will think that oh Charlie, this man is enjoying he has his car he mm -hmm. has this yeah. and that a good job and all those but before all he the flashy there, lifestyle that's right you want to do same mm -hmm. but then you have no idea what it took the person to that's get right. to so that's the, the core message yeah. of this particular, this particular song, Obra song yes, by yes. Nana, Nana Ampedu. Ampedu. We want to enjoy a CK man, but there's a gentleman who was there. I mean, he was part of the process. He's performed uh, on various stages uh, this particular song. And so we're going to have him join the band. And then whilst we do this song together, we'll get to, I mean, the cooking process. Okay. And of course, the time that we had to show it to the rest of the world. Right. Let me invite Nanan Kroma, an astute musician. Um, he has performed with so many wonderful bands. He's been through the process of music making. He's seen a lot. And so he joins us with his rich knowledge. Nana, you're welcome. 
Good to meet you. Good okay. to meet you. Yes, you are the vocal. <laughs> now we want to talk about CK Man. Okay. And of course, that big song, Maria Cheche. And uh, I mean, knowing you and all the performances you've done with the likes of CK Man, what would be your experience that you can share with us with respect to this particular CK Man song? Okay. Yeah. Uh, you know, I attended St. John's mm -hmm. in second day yeah. in the 70s. Yeah. And we had a band, Matthew Chapter 5 band. Mm -hmm. So we used to run to uh, Energy Estate where CK Man was. Okay. Uh, okay. Living. We go there, we're just small boys. Right. We had just started drumming mm. and doing so. So Sikima will call us. You know, he never went to school. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We just tell us, hey, I'm on school. But I'm on one school in Wombra. Wombra, I'm Okay. So we started, you know, me, later, Shasha Mali also joined right. when we left. Right. CK's high life, I'll call it classical high life. Mm -hmm. because of the chord progressions right. and the way he arranges his songs. Mm -hmm. And you play very danceable songs, mm -hmm. songs that will last for years. Mm -hmm. Because even after so many years, you go to any party, you mm -hmm. listen, they play Sigiman's song. Right. And he's one musician who's trained a lot of mm -hmm. big artists in Ghana here. Great. Seriously. Jiwelaka mm -hmm. came from yeah. CK Man. Yeah. Pat Thomas mm -hmm. from CK Man. Right. Papa Yangsen mm -hmm. from CK Man. Mr. Simons okay. from CK Man. Yeah. Capichiri, the okay. guy who played drums on Akoti Brofo, yeah. he was with CK Man. Mm -hmm. A lot of them. Uh, Felix Ousu, mm -hmm. all of them. Wow. So we also went there you know, to learn a few things. Me like this, then I played with CK Man in 1980. Okay. I think 79, 80 there. Mm. Yeah, as a drummer. This was way after you had left St. John's. No, I left St. John's in 79. Mm. Okay. Even when I was in school, we used to run to, to CK Man's place. Yeah. Anytime he has a problem with his drama, uh -huh. okay, you come so to St. John's. And then you sit and for him. Small boy, no, eh? Then he <laughs> move for me. Then right. go. You know, right. then I was a drummer at my school mm. with David Ampofu. I okay. think you know David. Okay. Yeah, David. The journalist. Yeah. yeah, he was a singer. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. Wow, Good singer. <laughs> so we we'll go there. So anytime he has any problem, he'll call the St. John's guys. Okay. Then we'll go and play with him. Nice. Yeah. So after school, I played just about a month, mm. then left and came back to Accra. All right. Maybe we should get into that particular song, and then you can walk us through, I mean, the progression in the, the drums and all, all that. All right. Inchinchim, CK Man, Marechiche. Shall be more than a 
I noticed something. I mean, if you've done something for so long, it becomes a part of yeah. you. Now, I was just looking at your yeah. movement. At a point, you were on the drums. Yeah. At another point, you were on the keys. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we learned all from CJ mm -hmm. Seriously. Right. You go to him, he'll call you. Mm. What drums in here? You start playing. It's a drums in Is that the only thing you can yeah. play? Because he had the people like Capichiri, Ataboisin. They were hard drummers, you know. And when I was in school, St. John's, I learned how to play the keyboard. We, you know, we had a school band. Every year, they change our equipment. It, it was a Catholic school. So they would come, you go to the instrument room. By then, fully air-conditioned. But one thing about the school band was, if you are academically not good, they will never allow you to play the band because your parents will not allow that. So go there, you learn a lot, a bit this, a bit this. That's how I learned how to play the keyboard later, the bass, all from, you know, school, then CK man, polished it, yeah. All right, let me show you, an all-round musician. Uh, not all-round, I'm not good at the... The, the horns? The horns, yeah. Okay, well, but at least you've got the keys and the bass the, the and drums, then the drums. The bass, the guitar, mm -hmm. little keyboard, okay. you know, just, you know, the I'm calling it <laughs> because, yeah, well, when I went to CK Man's place, I met Bessa. Okay. He was playing the keyboards. Okay. He was there and you know Bessa. Yeah. He was there, he was teaching us little, little, little things, you know. So that's how come. Great stuff, yeah. great stuff. Doc, I'll give you the final word on this. We're wrapping up from the 70s. And then uh, give us your takeaway from music in the 70s. Yeah, so uh, to add to CK Man's uh, mm. calling him as a classical highlight yeah. musician, you realize that all those uh, other songs we have played follow the certain pattern. Mm -hmm. In music, we call it the ostinato pattern, yeah. where okay. you just have simple chords, chordal mm. structure, one, three, uh, one, four, five, or one, two, five, or something like that. Right. But CK Man's music had variety of chords. Yeah. So okay. it was, it's difficult to memorize and say, if you don't learn it, mm. you'll not be able to, yeah. to play yeah. that kind of music. So um, all in all, I think that the 70s they set the trail for mm. us. Um, as I said, it, it, it tried to incorporate what Africans uh, knew as community. Mm. Yeah. 
music making, like the call and response, for instance. So yeah. you realize most of the songs, will, somebody calls and then there's a chorus, that mm. kind of uh, thing. It also projected African instruments, mm. uh, but also at times it projected uh, Western yeah. instruments. There instruments, was a blend yeah. of Western, yeah. fusion of mm. Western instruments to arrive at um, what mm. they, they had. But those people from Second D, I think, be, made a great impact. Maybe yeah. because the yeah. crew sailors and all those who were coming mm -hmm. from that yeah. area, they affected the music mm -hmm. and then you could see Siki Man's style. And so perhaps they lived more of what we would call the high life then. That's right. That's yeah. right. And you know, you know one thing about mm -hmm. Siki Man? If you're working with him, mm -hmm. you never stop laughing. Oh, okay. Yeah. He's, we call him the guitarist comedian. Right. Uh, perhaps it's a thing with the uh, Western... You know, there was <laughs> once... You know, there was once... are also doing the same thing today. Yeah, you know, there was once <laughs> where with him, then he said, um, I said, uh, Kufiaka, he was talking about Jiwalaka. Jiwalaka. He was then in uh, Tema. Okay, yeah. Um, I said, uh, or that Tema. Since he Jiwalaka also a tough. <laughs> Jiwalaka is a superstar or Tema. Mm. And I'm a CK man, I'm a CK man, I'm a CK man, I'm a CK man, I'm a CK man. That was from CK man. That's a good one. But thank you so much, Nadan Krober. I'm a wonderful performer, wonderful musician. Many thanks to you, Dr. Amache Buaten of the University of Ghana Music Department. Special thanks to the Inchinchin Band, the amazing Inchinchin Band. But of course, the biggest thanks goes to you who chose to spend this particular time with us here on the Heritage Month. And of course, our Heritage Music Series, bringing you the evolution of Akan music from the 1970s. My name is Nanatsu Fuobwating. Make a date with us. We'll catch you again. <laughs>